Amen. Thank you all so much. You know, we are so blessed here at the Oasis um, in so many ways. And, and one of the ways is we have a worship leader in Nicole that, that matches our worship to the word. Yeah. And there are so many churches that don't have that. And to me, when you can, when you can marry the worship songs to the word of God, it just helps everything just come together. And God is, is, we're not hearing two different things. We're hearing one message from God. And we certainly have heard that already tonight. God is enough for us in every and any circumstance. So I want you to follow along with me tonight. We're going to begin in chapter 15, actually, verse 22. You know, the, the chapter divisions sometimes are not placed in the best places. And unlike the Word of God, they're not divinely inspired. So it's sort of an unfortunate break that uh, chapter 15 kept going to verse 27, when really verse 22 of chapter 15 all the way over, really, to chapter 17, verse 7, a passage we're going to look at beginning next week, is all about one thing. And that is the Israelites murmuring, grumbling, and complaining because of a lack of water or a lack of food. And how God in his grace continually is going to provide for his people. And let's remember something. Before we even come to chapter 15, verse 22, we saw last week the Israelites had just had a worship night. I mean, that's what we studied. They, they were worshiping and praising the Lord and exalting him. And, and the very end, you know, Miriam comes out and, and she starts, you know, leading the, the gals. And I mean, it's, it's this great time of worship. And then right after that, boom. It is a reminder to us that we must be careful in those times of victory, in those mountaintop spiritual experiences, that we also can be very vulnerable at times like that. And that right after great victories and great mountaintop experiences, we can plummet real quickly. And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. If I had to characterize this passage of Scripture tonight that we're going to look at, I would use a phrase out of the Psalms, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what we need to realize in our life at all times, and that's what the Israelites needed to realize as well. And as I said Sunday, the God who dwells in the mountains is also the God who dwells with us in the valleys. The God who is with us in plenty is also the God who's with us when it's lean. The God who's with us in the rainy season is the God who's with us in the dry season. He's with us at all times, and he is enough in all times and in all circumstances. God is always above our circumstances. So notice, verse 22, chapter 15, Moses led Israel to journey away from the Red Sea and into the desert. Why did Moses do that? Because God led him to. Moses was simply following the leading of God. So God was leading his people into the desert. Will God lead his people into the desert at times? Absolutely. Because God 
wants us to learn some things in the desert that we could only learn in the desert. That he is big enough, good enough, great enough for us in the desert just as he is if we were camped out by a river. Same God, same ability to provide, take care of us and all that. Now, it doesn't mean that the desert is not a hostile place. It doesn't mean that the desert doesn't provide some challenges and, and difficulties. It absolutely does. But God wants his people to learn that in our desert times, he's going to be enough for us. So they walked for three days and found no water. How quickly now we forget, right? We're praising the Lord. We're saying how great he is and how good he is and how much he can provide, and he keeps all of his promises. And man, it's just like we just sung those songs, right? Just like the Israelites. And they came to a place called Marah, but they were not able to drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. That's why they named it Marah. So the people murmured against Moses saying, well, what can we drink? As if God's gonna do all that he did bringing all the plagues against Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and he's going to do all that to bring them out of bondage to lead them into the desert to die. Like, that, that's God's plan, right? No. And, and that's true of our lives, too. It's not like God is delivering us and not leading us to a place of greater blessing, but that blessing may be to know him in a greater, better, deeper way. And that might only happen in the desert when things are tough, when things are lean. And they're like, God, we have no water. So he cried out to the Lord. I love that about Moses. When he's confronted with the situation, what's he do? He cries out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree or a piece of wood. And when Moses threw it into the water, the water became safe to drink. It went from bitter to sweet. Because that's the Lord. The Lord already knew what they would need in the desert and had already made provision for it. And he's the same God for us. Whatever you and I are facing, whatever uncertain future we may have, here's the deal. God knows what we're already going to need ahead of time, and he's already made provision for it because he's enough. Isn't it interesting, too, that he uses a piece of wood or a tree to heal the waters? It harkens back to Moses' staff of wood that he touched the waters with, and it also looks ahead in time to another piece of wood that would bring healing, the cross of Calvary. God was doing some foreshadowing here in several ways. And the Lord made for them a binding ordinance. And notice, there he tested them. There's going to be several times in this passage that you see that phrase. The Lord brought them there to test them. God does the same thing with us. Why is he testing? Because he wants us to see, to learn, to come to know that he is enough in each and every circumstance and that he's going to be able to take care of us 
just as well in the desert times of our life as he does when we're again maybe by an ample amount of water and we've got all the food that we want and there are no harsh conditions and there are no hostile conditions and everything's going well for us. The God of the mountaintops is the God of the valleys and of the deserts and and he wants us to come to know that and so he's testing them. Will they trust him? Will they believe that he is enough? The reason why God does that with us is he wants us to then be able to see where are the deficiencies in our life with our trust with God? What areas? Because for all of us, some of us can trust God in certain areas, but we struggle to trust him in other areas. And then there's other people that, well, they have no trouble trusting him in some of the areas that we struggle with, but they have other areas. God will lead us to those areas because he wants us to become aware that if you can trust me here, then you can trust me there. If you can trust me in this situation, then you can trust me in every situation. And that's why God puts us and allows us to be in different situations because he wants us to come to a place in our life where no matter what the situation or the circumstance, we understand he's enough and he'll provide and he'll take care of us. And we don't have to worry or be anxious or fret or anything at all because he's God. And if we truly knew him and knew how much he loved and cared for us, then we wouldn't have these moments of worry and anxiety. But obviously, we're not always there yet, or obviously, we haven't arrived in every area of our life, and neither had the Israelites. And he says, if you will diligently, verse 26, obey the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and pay attention to his commandments and keep all his statutes, then none of the diseases that I brought on the Egyptians I will bring on you, for I am the Lord your healer. He healed the waters. He turned them from bitter to sweet so that they could drink it. And by the way, this word heal doesn't just speak about physical healing. It is a word in the Hebrew that means to mend, to repair, and to make whole. So that covers every area. That means God can heal us spiritually, God can heal us emotionally or mentally, and God can heal us physically. God's got all the areas covered. And sometimes what God has to do is he's got to put us back together because we're broken. And we're all broken to some degree. We all need mended and repaired and restored. And there's no one better to do it than God. He knows exactly what to do and when to do it in our lives in order to repair and mend and put us back together again. Unlike all the king's horses and all the king's men, God could put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Because God can put anyone or anything back together again. So remember something, my friends. God is our healer. And there's not anything in our life that we will ever come across that God cannot heal us from, mend us, 
repair us, restore us, and make us whole. And so notice where he sends them next. They came to Elam. What is Elam? An oasis in the desert where there were 12 wells of water and 70 date palm trees. And if you know anything, again, I've shared this before about date palms. They have so many resources. I mean, you can use them, obviously, for food, for shelter, uh, for protection. You can do so many things with date palms. And they camped there by the water. God knew what he was doing, you see? But they didn't trust him at this point. And so God took Moses, led him, instructed him to take this wood and to touch the waters, and the waters became drinkable because God will take care of his people. He did not bring his people out of Egypt in order for them to die in the desert. And God has not saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, to take us somewhere and just destroy us and, and allow us to be defeated. No, he is going to bring us always into greater blessing. We just have to trust him in those desert times, just as the Israelites did. So notice chapter 16. When they journeyed and moved on and marched on from Elam, the entire company of Israelites came to another desert, the desert of Sin. And by the way, you'll notice a couple things. First of all, God wants his people to keep on moving. And second of all, did you notice it's the whole company? It's the whole assembly. God wants all of us to be going. He doesn't want just some of us. He wants us all to be moving in the same direction with him. So he takes them into this other desert. After their exodus from the land of Egypt, the entire company of Israelites murmured against Moses and Aaron in the desert, grumbled and complained. And by the way, that word not only means to grumble and complain, it means to stop. You see, they didn't keep moving because they were grumbling and complaining. And they were then not moving forward and, and keeping pace with God because they stood still in order to grumble and complain. Every time in our life that we lack contentment and when we start grumbling and complaining and griping against God or whatever, we're not moving forward. You see. Verse 3. The Israelites said to them, don't miss this, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. Get that. They are basically saying to God, we wish that we were never saved. That's what they're saying. We wish we would have just died back there in bondage in Egypt. Wow. You know what, though? I've been there. There have been times in my Christian life where I wish I could have went backwards instead of forwards and kept moving forward. There was a time when we first moved out here to the desert that I was like, oh, God, what have you done? Why have you moved us out here? And now I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord, thank you. Best 12 years of my life. But sometimes we don't see it at the time. 
When we sat by the pots of meat, we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this desert to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Wow. Talk about a lack of trust, right? God's like, how much do I have to do? You have seen all my plagues. You crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. You then just saw me use a piece of wood that I instructed Moses to touch the bitter waters with to turn them into great drinking water, probably the best water you've ever drank. And then a few days later, you're right back again. You know why? Because those grooves in our life that we have cut can be deep grooves that are hard to overcome. Those, those habits can be hard to get out of. Now, the Lord can do it, but they're easy defaults to fall back into, and that was the Israelites. It didn't matter how many miracles and how, how much God provided for his people over and over again to show them, this is who I am. Do you not know me? Have you not come to know me by now that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, whether it's in a desert or wherever it is, I've got you. Do you not know me? Obviously not. <laughs> we wish we'd have died in Egypt. What a merciful and kind God. Because notice what the Lord does in verse 4. Does he punish them for this attitude? No. He pours out bread from heaven for them. That's who our God is. Wow. What grace. What patience. What mercy. They didn't deserve it any more than we deserve the blessings in favor of God. But he poured it out, and I love that. He rained bread from heaven. And he said, you can go out and gather the amount for each day, our daily bread, so that, notice, here it is again, I may test them. Will they walk? in my law or not. Because on the sixth day, they will prepare what they bring in and it will be twice as much as they gather every other day because on the seventh day, he wants them to pause in order to set aside a day of worshiping him and he wants them to trust him that he will provide enough on the sixth day to get them through the seventh day. Will they trust him? That's the test. By the way, let's just be very real here, right? We are deficient, especially as American Christians, in looking to the Lord every day for our daily bread. And I think that's part of our struggle as Christians today is None of us really have to look to, we've got, we got enough food stored up for probably several days and maybe some of you weeks. I even know some people that's probably got them stored up for months. So we don't necessarily have to look to the Lord every day to provide our daily bread. So we've sort of 
don't have the, the habit, if you will, the, the good habit of going to the Lord and trusting him every day to provide our needs that day because we got it, Lord. We're good. And I think in some ways we miss out because we don't have to look to the Lord every day for our daily bread. Moses and Aaron, verse 6, said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know that the Lord is faithful. What we sung about tonight. Because he brought you out of the land of Egypt and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. In a sense, Moses and Aaron saying, this God who is so faithful is going to meet your physical needs every morning and night, and he's also going to meet your spiritual needs because, verse 7, he's going to allow you to see his visible splendor because he's heard your murmurings against him. And as for us, what are we that you should murmur against us? Moses said, you will know this when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread in the morning to satisfy you, to fill you to the full, to be enough for you. Again, Moses saying, God is enough. We need to trust him. No one can fill us or satisfy us like God can. We'll talk more about that Sunday. Because the Lord has heard your murmurings, that you're murmuring against him. Because God hears all of our complaining and griping and murmuring. And as for us, what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, Moses and Aaron said, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, tell the whole company of Israelites, come near or come before the Lord. Can you imagine when they said that? Almost like, are we going to the principal's office? We've been murmuring and complaining and griping against the Lord, and now he wants us to come closer? Ooh, yeah, but again, if you knew the Lord. <laughs> Aaron spoke to the whole community of the Israelites, and they looked toward the desert, and behold, there was the glory of the Lord. The visible presence of God appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses. I've heard the murmurings of the Israelites. Tell them, I'm about ready to give grace to the grumblers. During the evening you will eat meat and in the morning you'll be satisfied or filled up with bread so that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Our greatest need is to know the Lord. By the way, notice something here. Did they ask God for food? No. They just complained they didn't have any. And yet God said, I'm going to give you food. You didn't ask me for food. You didn't look to me and say, God, could you feed us? No, you just complained and griped that you didn't have any food. But I'm going to give you food because that's who I am. Know me. And notice, God does not skimp when setting the table for us. Again, like back up in verse 8, they were filled to the full. They were satisfied. It was more than enough. And then down in verse 12, you will be satisfied. You will be filled with bread and meat when God supplies it. When God sets the table, man, is it good. There's nothing like it. And notice, in the evening, verse 13, the quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, a layer of dew was all around the camp. The sufficiency of God's provision. So I wrote here in my Bible these words, those who let God provide will always be satisfied. 
Those who let God provide for their needs will always be satisfied. What was this dew? Well, verse 14, this, this layer of dew, when it evaporated, there on the surface of the desert was this thin, flaky substance, thin like frost on earth. And this flaky substance was what's called manna. And where do we get the word manna from? Well, when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? In the Hebrew, that phrase, what is it, is manhu, M-A-N-H-U. So that's why it's called manna. What is it? They didn't know. Moses said to them, it is bread from heaven that the Lord has given you for food. And we know that because in John 6, 31, and in Psalm 78, that's exactly what man is called. It is called bread from heaven. See, God is saying to his people, look, I know you're out here in the desert. It doesn't look like there's food for miles around. But I am God. And if I want to throw bread down from heaven to supply your need, I can do it because nothing is too hard or too difficult for me. If I'm on a mountainside, and there are thousands of people, and they're all hungry, and the only thing I've got to feed them are five loaves and two fishes, that's more than enough, because I'm God, and I will fill up all those thousands of people, and there'll be 12 baskets full left over for my disciples, because that's who I am. I'm God. I'm more than enough. Do you know me? Do you know me? Verse 16, this is what the Lord has commanded, though. Each person is to do their own part. God's not going to, like, send it down and then shovel it into each house. They got to do something. They got to have some kind of skin in the game, just like we do. So each person is to get up and pick up from it what they can eat. An omer per person, according to the number of your people. The Israelites did so. Some gathered more, some gathered less, but everyone had more than enough to eat. But then notice what Moses said. Here's part of the Lord's instruction. No leftovers. Don't keep any until the next morning, verse 19. Boy, they're thick, aren't they? Because notice, they were not obedient. They did not listen to Moses. Some of them kept part of it until morning and it was full of worms and began to stink and Moses was angry with them. Again, how long is it going to take for them to learn to just listen to what God has to say? And can we all admit that their lack of obedience is going to have dire consequences? Because this habit of unbelief and not listening to the Lord is going to cause them to literally wander around for 40 years. That's a long time. So verse 21, they gathered each morning, each person according to what he could eat, and when the sun got hot, it would melt. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much again so that they would have enough through the Sabbath. Then verse 23, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a time of cessation, rest, a time to pause, to praise, a holy Sabbath, a gathering together to celebrate the Lord. And if you want to bake this stuff, bake it. If you want to boil it, boil it. I'm sure after 40 years, they learned to do a lot with it. 
So they put it aside until morning, just as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today, for today it is the Sabbath to the Lord. But you'll not find it other than that. Six days you'll gather it. On the seventh, you'll trust the Lord for what you get on the sixth day. And then look at verse 28. On the seventh day, some of those people did not listen. They went out to gather it and found nothing. And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse? And by the way, he's not just talking to Moses. You there is plural in the Hebrew. So God is addressing the entire nation. He's saying, how long do all of you refuse to obey my commandments and my instructions? See, verse 29. Do you see the sufficiency and faithfulness of God? That's what God wants them to see. Because the Lord has given you the Sabbath, and that is why he's giving you food for two days on the sixth. Each of you stay where you are. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people are supposed to pause to praise God on the seventh day. God wants us to see him. He wants us to see his sufficiency and his faithfulness and that he is enough. And again, notice when, where all this takes place. In desert places. Because God wants his people to understand. Yes, there will be times where I lead you into desert places. I will lead you into seasons of lean and not plenty because I want you to know that I'm enough for you there too and that I can take care of you and that I can get you through it. And I want you to learn through those times that I am enough for you so that no matter what circumstance or situation you have to live through, you will never have to worry or be anxious about anything because you just look to me and I'll take care of you. And you can be still and know that I'm God. And you can be settled, and you can be at rest, and you can give your mind a rest, and you can be at peace in me because you know me. You know me. Again, I direct your attention back to the end of verse 12. It is the key to the whole passage. The purpose of all these things was so that the people of God may know that he is the Lord their God. And that same purpose is so relevant and real today. God wants the same thing for us today. He wants the Oasis Church more than ever this coming year to know that he is the Lord our God and he will bring us through anything and he will do it gloriously. Amen. Gloriously. By the way, I love this. Verse 31, the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed and was white, and it tasted like wafers with honey. Not bad. And you know why I think God designed the taste of manna to be what it was? Because it was to be a foretaste of the promised land. What was the promised land? A land flowing with what? Milk and honey. He wanted to give his people a taste of what was before them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wanted them to have a taste of it so that they would keep moving forward with him and trust him that the best is yet to come. And God wants the same thing for us. 
The more we taste him, the more we know him, the more we realize he is our provider, he's our protector, he, he's everything that we will ever need. And if we just keep getting a little taste, it should give us the, the inspiration and the motivation to keep going after God and knowing him more and more, knowing that wherever he leads us, it's going to be good because he never leads his people out of bondage to destroy us. He leads us out of bondage to bless us just as he did the Israelites. Now, in closing, I want to take you to two other passages of Scripture tonight. I want you to go over with me to the book of Deuteronomy, two places in the Bible where there's comments about this situation that we find ourselves in in Exodus, and then we'll come back to Exodus next week. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 30 through 31. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 30 through 31. The Lord your God is about to go ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. And in the desert, notice, where you saw him carrying you along like a man carries his son. Wow. God was carrying his people through the desert. When you and I walk through those desert places, God is carrying us just as he would his own son. This he did everywhere you went until you came to this very place. He had you. He never left you go, Moses is saying. However, notice this, verse 32. Through all this, you did not have confidence in the Lord your God the one who was constantly going before you to find places for you to set up camp. He was always 10 steps ahead. He always knew what we needed before we needed it and they needed it, and he had already provided it out there. We just needed to trust him. He appeared by fire at night in a cloud by day to show you the way you ought to go. But boy, you know the phrase that struck me in that was verse 32. In all that God did, they did never have confidence in the Lord their God. See, God tests his people in other circumstances and in different situations so that we might learn that whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation, we can have confidence in him, absolute and total confidence in him. One more, Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 19 through 21. Again, another comment, if you will, on what we have been studying in the book of Exodus. I'm picking it up where the Levites here are speaking. And they are recounting the history of Israel up to this point. And they... I begin in verse 19 just because that's what's applied to our passage. Due to your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the desert. The pillar of cloud did not stop guiding them in the path by day, nor did the pillar of fire stop illuminating for them by night the path on which they should travel. God was always with them, always directing them, always giving them light. You imparted your good spirit to instruct them. We don't hear about that a lot in the Old Testament, do we? You did not withhold your manna from their mouths. You provided water for their thirst. And then I love this. 
For 40 years, you sustained them. Even, notice, in the desert, they never lacked anything. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. I want you to really focus on that phrase, even in the desert, they never lacked anything. The next time you and I find ourselves in the desert, let's go back to Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 21, and remind ourselves. Even when we're in the desert, we will never lack anything because God is with us. And as long as God is with us, we have everything we will ever need. Do we know our God? Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for being here, meeting with us, Lord. We thank you, God, through our songs of worship tonight and through the word tonight that you have revealed yourself to us, God. You have reminded us, your people, who you are so that we might know you, so that we might be settled in you and, and rest in you, God. Lord, I pray that that would be the case. You know, maybe right now in our lives, things are going pretty well. But Lord, there will be those times of desert experiences. There will be those seasons of lean rather than plenty there there will be those seasons of dryness rather than a rainy season in our life and God in those seasons help us to remember and be mindful that you are enough for us in every season in each circumstance because you are above our circumstances you don't want us to ever live in a way where we define our life by the circumstances we go through. You want us as your people to always define our lives in relationship to you. To realize, Lord, that wherever we are in this life and whatever we go through, we've got you and you are sufficient, you are enough. So God, may you burn that and engrave that into our hearts and minds. May we not be like the Israelites who were always griping and complaining and murmuring about what they didn't have. Or, Lord, that they just didn't see it right away because they didn't trust that you would bring them what they needed at the time they needed it. God, help us to trust you more. Help us to look to you more, God. Help us to know, God, you in a way that we have great confidence in you, no matter what we're facing in life. These things we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless, folks. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.